Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, sir, my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast episode 104. Good afternoon, everybody. Whatever temporal loop you happen to be caught in, greetings, watching too much Doctor Who, hence the timey-wimey intro. Since I kind of sprang that on Mike, I went on for a bit while he was mentally kind of gathering his thoughts. Not many thoughts at that. I was being generous. I was going to say thought. <laughs> Quite a nice Sunday afternoon here in England. Now, what's it like over there, Alan? Mixed. But then again, the Atlantic is about three miles due west. So Fair enough. Did you see how much they're selling Supernatural Seasons 1 to 6 as a Blu-ray box set? No. I think it was €114. Euro. I think it was about £99. Mm, yeah. Now, if I didn't already have them on Blu-ray, I'd have bought that. Because <laughs> that's well worth it. I bought season one and two for £17 a piece. And, you know, obviously seasons three, four and five I bought probably, I can't remember, about £20. But if you wait, you can get a better deal. But the problem is, if everybody did the same, they'd never release them at all. And there's been plenty of shows that have got one season released and nothing else because people didn't buy it. And you think in this day and age, DVD replication, even if they're selling something like 10,000, 20,000 copies... Surely they can make some money from it. I mean, I've just ordered Smallville Season 9 on Blu-ray for £16.59. Where? Base. URL? Base.com. I mean, the only reason I don't have Smallville on Blu-ray, apart from the fact that I don't think the first seasons are out, is because I got Season 1 to 8 as a box set. Yeah. For, like, I think €90. Well, that's the problem. People support the show by buying the DVDs, and Mm -hmm. those very people then get screwed by the end of the series, when they release an Uber box set with content that wasn't in the individual releases and cheaper than they paid for the individual box sets. In case you're wondering, I'm registering a base. Well, you went and mentioned it to me, 1650. <laughs> I don't know if it is still that price. It says it is. Oh, right, cool. I just want to see what delivery is, or if they charge delivery. Kate Hewlett, David Hewlett's sister. Mm-hmm. Bought a juicer for my health. First up, chocolate donut French fry juice. <laughs> <laughs> They charged me five pound nine pence shipping. The bastards. What did they charge you? Nothing in the UK. The bastards. Exactly. Let's face it, it probably costs as much to ship to, say, Northern Ireland as the Republic, so... 22 quids. You might want to wait and see if Amazon price match. I wonder if I could start off and watch a Smallville from the beginning. Although, as Jeff says, the problem with the first five seasons is, A, Christina Cruick, <laughs> and B, the fact that it's not so much an arc as a flatline. The first four or five seasons are pretty much Monster of the Week. It's enjoyable episodes. It's not as if it's bad television. It's angsty, which Aaron has... Apparently, listening to Sci-Fi Dig I appeared on has got her interested, and she's off listening to Aaron on her own. Yes, I noticed she'd posted on Facebook in Sci-Fi Dig. You're like, my God, what has he created? Because, to be honest (laughs) with you, she said to me, oh, well, I don't really listen to what Mike says. (laughs) Lovely. Wise. (laughs) (laughs) It's more a case that I think she was more interested in hearing my voice, apparently. I mean, she even went back and started listening to them again. Why don't I just get your audio file and send it to that? <laughs> the raw audio file? Yeah, the raw audio. Leave <laughs> it to that. <laughs> With gaps built in that she can actually chime in on. It'll be almost like you were there. Is Fringe actually back yet? Because the end of last season, I was like, well, 
There's a get glue sticker, if you have a look. I don't collect get glue stickers with the obsessiveness that you do. Hey, compared to some, I'm moderate. No, actually you're not, because some people just check in for the sticker. You actually watch the shows. <laughs> I'm having a surprisingly good time re-watching Torchwood Season 1. Well, with all the bells and whistles that came with adult science fiction on the BBC. Yes, yes, yes. I even posted something positive in favour of Miracle Day on the appropriate thread in GWC forum. <laughs> but I hated season one, and I'm well documented for hating season one. It went a little bit over the top, trying to prove its credentials. And as I said, adult science fiction isn't swearing and everyone boinking everyone else. We watched the episode last night with the uh, plane from 1953. Oh, yeah. Where Owen actually discovers he has feelings. <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> yeah, she likes him. She says she knows he's a tool, but she likes him anyway. Is this a female thing? They're attracted to idiots. Present company accepted. <laughs> the Flashbulb Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. From cosmic horrors to fisticuffs, fast cars and smart mouths, we've got a chill for every spine. Find it all at flashbulb.com or search for it on iTunes. <laughs> All right, enough, as you have so adroitly put it, rabbiting on like old women. <laughs> oh, have you watched Divine, the series? No, I saw you mention it, so I had a quick look. I bookmarked it, so I'll watch it, as and when. The thing with Divine is, I, you're not at all squeamish, I trust. Depends. It's quite gory. The opening sort of 12-minute episode has a guy with sort of blood happily jetting from wounds and not cartoon fashion. Yeah, I'm not squeamish in that regard. Sid, stay. Good pussycat. So, this week's episode, Failsafe. Indeed. Line cocked and ready. Yep, I'm all set to go. Actually, if I was listening to that, I'd read something into it. But three, two, one. Clicky. And fade in on... Pond. Yes. A swamp, even. Nice, long camera boom shot. Looks very good. Yeah, were they in a boat? A crane. What was the crane anchored on? The other side of the pond. Yeah. That's not a beagle. That's a sausage dog. <laughs> That's Emma Line, Michael Greenberg's dog. Beagles aren't generally that long. My next door neighbour has one. Well, it's not a dashing. It looks like a beagle dashing cross. This is Michael Teagan playing the bloke who's going to get a surprise. Listen, I am not some crackpot phoning in a UFO here. I happen to be the co-founder of the Northern Sosquarita County Amateur Astronomical Society, and I've been tracking this thing for three nights. Now, whatever it is, it is very big, it is very close, and I am not going to shut up about this until... <laughs> the black cars pull up. Yes, you've seen this in a movie. <laughs> it's never very good. Mm. At least they're not toting M16s. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Grint, smile, oops. <laughs> it was a very tall guy that got out of the car, or was he credited? No credits for those... The guy that got out of the driver's side of one of those jeeps looked a good six, 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 seven, way taller uniform people. The asteroid has an irregular shape, but we've calculated its length from end to end to be approximately 137 kilometers. I've seen this movie. It hits Paris. Yeah, they saved a lot of money by just having a single frame of the asteroid. They didn't have to animate it. And nobody knows this but us. How is that possible? Well, the asteroid was actually discovered by a civilian who's since been persuaded to keep it quiet. <laughs> persuaded. <laughs> you don't think they're on about actually paying yeah. to keep quiet, do you? 
I'm thinking more persuaded in the way that in Sci-Fi UK's recently shown episode of Taken. It's a fluke that anyone saw it at all. We got lucky. I don't see how in any conceivable way this is lucky. Well, if this had happened seven or eight years ago, there'd be nothing we could do about it. Stargate opens other options for us. How fortunate. A little help from our friends? Yes, sir. Of course, as we come to find out, seven or eight years ago, this asteroid wouldn't have been there. Mm. We've already sent a message asking for their help. So far, there hadn't been any reply. The Asgard owe us a favor. We can contact them through the Katow through their Hall of Wisdom. According to the treaty with the Goa'uld, the Asgard cannot prevent natural disasters from occurring on protected planets. Hey, the Ghoul tried to make the toll and send a bomb through the iris. Screw the treaty. Thank you, Jack. There's lots of races that owe us a favor. Unfortunately, a couple of them have just recently been destroyed. In 11 days and 16 hours, all life on Earth will be wiped out. Yeah, that's not good. Where's Bruce when you need him? Uh, Unfortunately, the treaty's wording is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Weren't there two asteroid movies? Yes, there were. Felsay, first aired April 5th, 2002, shares its name with episodes of The Expert, Gemini Division and Secret Agent Man. Ooh, secret agent, man. <laughs> ah, our favourite writing team. Okay, I'll redo. You know I can't pronounce your man's name. Well, you started it, so carry on. <laughs> Damn it. Written by Joseph Mazzello and Paul Mully, and directed by Andy Makita, his second episode in the last five. Yeah, Andy's mostly known as a producer and co-producer. He worked on 163 episodes in the franchise. Ended up directing 29 episodes of uh, SG-1, 22 SGA, and 11 SGU. So, uh, yeah. busy boy. Currently working on the new Transporter series. There's a Transporter series? Yes, there is. No Jason Statham, though. Well, what's the point? <laughs> I'm sure they'll find someone equally talented and who looks good without a shirt on. <laughs> oh, Freya. There is no. Come on, guys, throw me a bone here. Some of this footage of the Asgard is reused stock. Mm-hmm. They tried to attack us. It was the Tolans who attempted to send the explosive device through your iris. By whose order? The system lords deny any knowledge of this incident. Of course they deny it. Close-ups are brand new. CG or puppet close-ups? I think the close-ups are CG. There was actually a lack of puppeteers when they wanted to shoot it because it takes five puppeteers per model. Oh, bloody hell. And they were busy elsewhere. And they don't seem to be moving in the long shot. <laughs> we would also need corroborating testimony from the Tolans. Yeah, now see, that's going to be a problem. Seeing as how they've been wiped out by the Gould. That is unfortunate. And I suppose when Earth gets hit by that rock and we're all wiped out, that's going to be unfortunate too. Very. <laughs> For us, yes. <laughs> they were fortunate that, of course, the lip-syncing on the puppets isn't that accurate, so they pretty much can be saying anything. <laughs> The Asgard really do stick to the letter of the treaty. Lost my temper. (laughs) What exactly does that mean? Let's just say Jack made a reference to Frere's mother. Works that we didn't see Jack lose it. Kind of sheepish. (laughs) We'll discuss Colonel O'Neill's diplomatic shortcomings later. Right now, I'd like to know what options remain. I say we nuke it ourselves. That's a spirit, Jack. No. Now, how unbelievable that America don't have a launch vehicle. That's just crazy. They don't know. They're desperately developing one. Yeah, that was my point. Sometimes humour is too subtle. Our understanding of gold technology has improved quite a bit. We might be able to fix it. How much time? Given the right team, maybe a couple of days. I'll assign anyone you need, Major. Assuming we can fix it, how long will it take to fly back to Earth? Ravana's not exactly next door. Even pushing the engines past 100%, it would take eight, 
Nine days. Leaving little margin for error. Then let's get started. Dismissed. You've got to love how events conspire to make plots work. Just when we need a hyperspace-capable ship, we know where one is, not far from the gate. Contingency plan. The president has ordered me to begin Alpha Team evacuation through the gate. Major Davis will be arriving shortly from the Pentagon to coordinate. Yes, sir. If Major Carter is unable to repair the cargo ship, you will report immediately to the Alpha site and assume command. General? No debates on this one, Jack. That's an order. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll work, Jack, but just in case. Yeah, that's an unusually obedient, Jack. Well, the risks are pretty high and a lot on the table. If, if they do screw up, it is literally the end of the planet. Yeah, that's the phrase, isn't it, sir? Good to go, sir. Yep, show them the way. This way. This, uh, big enough? Packs 1,200 Naquita enhanced megatons. That's a lot? This is the most powerful warhead ever created, Daniel. It's the equivalent of one billion tons of TNT. No nukes, no nukes, no nukes. Where's Steve Bashimi when you really want him? Hey, what are you doing? I'm sorry, I can't do this. I can give you a list of some very good engineers. Come on, Spellman. I do this every day. It's probably because you don't understand what actually happens to your body when you go through this thing. I do. We need you for this mission. It defies the laws of physics, and you know it. Spellman, you're gone. This way. We're going through the gates. I was having a debate there since you mentioned Steve. What percentage of movies does Steve Buscemi's character actually survive to the end credits? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's quite low. He survived Armageddon and he survived Con Air. He survived Wedding Singer. Nobody survived Wedding Singer. <laughs> nice effect. Works so well, that does. Why does he have to be tugged through the gate? Because, as he says, I know what it does to your body. <laughs> A mixture of map painting and uh, location shooting. And I assume model building. I can't imagine there was an actual... Or did they build that? The outside chart of the ship? Oh, that was the map painting, wasn't it? Doesn't look so bad. Okay, our first priority is auxiliary power. And it's hyperdrive and life support. Right. And there's the set. Looks remarkably intact considering they crashed it last week. Well, maybe it was just damaged on the outside. <laughs> it doesn't, no. They shot this episode before last week, so... When they crashed it, they had to make sure that they didn't do too much damage or it wouldn't have looked right. Ah, uh, they'll fix it up. I'm confident. Me too. As am I. <laughs> Good lad. Yeah, as have I. <laughs> Rare we actually see guys back from Area 51 and other research places. I mean, they're obviously the brains behind most of what we see, bothering what Sam does. McKay was a bit of a, an outstanding character. These are just pretty much run-of-the-mill scientists. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is the montage. Yes. Huh, pin up, pin up. Hmm. Where do they get the spare crystals? Whenever I had the opportunity, the Nixle. It's never really explained, is it? You just go along with it. That's called a montage. Girl, we want a montage. O'Neill is part of the family. O'Neill's one of the family of blood there. <laughs> Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my> God, Daniel. That's <laughs> asleep. <laughs> Oh, his neck's going to hurt him when he wakes up. Just ignore Daniel and walk around. That's a blueprint they've got it there. See, this crystal still here. Press here. Like I say, it's nice to see both human technology and gold technology, you know, actually being interfaced and how difficult it is. It's one of the things that they tend to overlook. This is rather important, I think. I looked again. I still can't find it. Did you check the guidance system? Twice. Okay. 
I guess we'll have to assume that there isn't one on board. What? We're about ready to attempt an engine start, sir. Yeah, fine. Assume there isn't one what? Recall device. The X-301? That was you guys? <laughs> yes. Oh, that was you? <laughs> nice work. This is Weber and Spellman, David Bloom and Greg Anson, uh, Tex, both in multiple episodes in the franchise. Kind of a nod to the long gunman, isn't it? A little bit. Oops. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. It can go so well. <laughs> Give it a kick. Carter. Jack has high expectations, really. He puts total faith in that Sam will be able to do anything he tells it to. Well, in fairness, it's justified given what Sam's been able to do so far. It's got it, sir. We're good to go. I'll repair the remaining systems on the way. I wouldn't be totally confident of a ship that took two goes to get started. Can you imagine if the shuttle didn't turn over first time? <laughs> We're okay. We're going to the Alpha site. Hey. <laughs> yeah, then again. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to want to talk to you guys. Teal, try to take it easy on the engines when we take off. Why? Well, I'm just slightly concerned that if we push them too hard and they burn out before we reach escape velocity, that... <laughs> oh, dear. We'll come crashing back to the planet. Yes? Slightly concerned. I'm confident. Me too. As am I. Okay. expressions there. As am I again. Like it. Isn't the president going to the office? Walter. But if we don't hear from SG1, getting a message, sir. It's SG1. You were saying, Major? The signal's being relayed through AF Satcom, sir. Great timing there. Pipe it through, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Yeah. Just in time, because Davis was going to write you off. Yeah. SG-1, this is General Hammond. Please respond. Service just dropped out of hyperspace, and we should reach the asteroid in a few minutes. We're relieved to hear that, Major. You sent those engineers to the Alpha site ten days ago. They decided not to do a long, sort of boring... Uh, I wonder if Daniel and uh, Jack had the fasten-then-zip conversation. <laughs> Don't get the reference, then you should watch some good science fiction. <laughs> You're not even going to give them a clue. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Fair enough. I still can't believe TNG beat B5. Maybe if I'd voted, it might have made a difference. Yeah. That leaves us three and a half hours. So we just drop off the bomb and what? Our scans show that the asteroid is pockmarked with impact craters and fissures. In the commentary, they apologised to the graphic artists who did this animation because it was meant to be on a huge screen in front of the glass. Ended up just being a little heads-up display. When we're a few meters above the surface, we ring down the mouth with the bomb. And we land, and two of us go EVA. That would be you and me. And the guy's like, we've walked for weeks on that. Yes, all the detail is just missing because you simply cannot see it. We set the timer, and then we get out of there. Piece of cake. There is one other thing. We're about to pass through the Leonids. It's a commentary trail that Earth passes through periodically. The shield should help protect the ship, but anyone caught outside... It's going to have to find cover fast. 
well, here's a thought. Why not enter the system by a different way? It is three-dimensional, after all. What was that? I'm having difficulty with the sublight engines. Oh, dear. Yes, you are. Sir? Uh, can't be good. You've got to be really confident in the shielding on that nuclear weapon. Mm. Well, would hope so. I like the fact that it's a Nakuta nuclear weapon. One billion tons of TNT. What is it? Building up an overload in the control systems. Backups? We don't have any. <laughs> she had to do that stunt herself. Yes, she did. She wasn't wearing any eye protection either. So the insurance guys had a bit of a conniption over that. <laughs> yeah, Andy Makita says they had utmost faith in the special effects department. You'd want to. You don't want to, you don't want to temporarily blind one of your main stars. <laughs> and I suppose they could write it in. A bit like, you know, Claudia Christian's um, ankle. That's the head. Sublight engines have shut down. Big asteroid problem here. Bit like, you know, Claudia Christian's um, ankle. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, that's a big asteroid, right? And of course, without any uh, engines, they're kind of screwed. Are the engines gone? The engines are gone. Oh dear. That's a big asteroid, and of course, without any uh, engines, they're kind of screwed. Are the engines gone? The engines are gone. Oh dear. Till actually left the pilot seat, put Daniel in the seat, and went to tell him the engines weren't working. <laughs> Well, they figured if the engines aren't working, can't do any harm. <laughs> yeah, I'll stand at the back of the ship when we go in nose front. I'm approaching the asteroid way too fast. Nice effect, though, that is. Any time now? Thrusters are in full reversal, Neil. Coming in a lot faster than we should be. Yes, we are. Faster than we should with thrusters at maximum. <laughs> yes, we are. Thank you, Daniel, for that glaring, the obvious observation. I thought it was Teok's uh, purpose to give. How will they survive? Tuning next week. Oh, look at that. That's almost uh, Empire, isn't it? Yeah, but the other thing is, of course, uh, did you see a quick flash of the shield bubble there? No, I didn't. There was a kind of glow around the ship. I assume that was either the shield bubble or an accidental effect. What happened? We're inside a deep crater. 50 meters per second. 40. 30. <laughs> oh, that was close. What, the touchdown? Well, no, they didn't hit the ground, did they? Barely. We're hovering about two inches above the surface. Well, that's all they need, isn't it? <laughs> Six feet, two inches, doesn't make any difference. You still survive. I mean, how fortunate they just happen to be directly in line with this huge hole and cavern, considering that the asteroid is also spinning. Sir? We just got a message from NASA. According to their latest calculations, SG-1 has crashed into the asteroid's surface at over 60 meters per second. Do they have confirmation? No, sir. It's an estimate based on the ship's last known position and trajectory. Any chance of survivors? At that velocity, sir, it's, it's very unlikely. <laughs> you see, that's NASA for you. Not very good with numbers. Sir. If this is true, and the mission is down... 
we're out of options. It's time to call the president. Seriously, though, even NASA, even the Hubble wouldn't be able to see survivors down that hole in that asteroid. Mm-hmm. Let's run for it, General. Come on, Alpha side. Now. Ah, don't bother him. Just let's quietly go. Then block up the gate, because the one thing you don't want is too many politicians on a small community. And I say, I like the uh, dust being thrown up by the anti-grav. Mm-hmm. Bob? It's good to go, sir. If it comes right down to it, we can detonate it right here. What's our position? Well, personally, I'm against it. <laughs> That's good to know. If you want to know where the ship is, we're about five meters above the surface at the bottom of the crater. The rings will be functional at that distance. All right, here goes. Why didn't you bring some spare crystals? It might actually be uh, the engines themselves that have been damaged beyond repair as opposed to the control systems. It did crash after all. Control systems look damaged. Let's suit up. And it's just big enough to fit in the ring. I imagine that when you're building these bombs specifically for the Stargate, then you build them so they fit. Ooh. Look, you took a pretty good shot. Why don't you sit this one out? No, I'm fine, really. Joke and I can handle it. Yes, sir. <laughs> You've been volunteered, Tilk. So, these are the spacesuits. One size fits all, then. No, mm. oh, sir, there's been no response on the radio. But if they crashed, there should have been visible evidence. We found nothing. Now, frankly, sir, if SG-1 survived and they managed to complete their mission, then no one needs to know any of this ever happened. If not, then there's nothing anyone can do that will make the slightest bit of difference. Going public now would only serve to create panic. Yes, sir, I know how you feel. My place is here. Thank you, Mr. President. And I was always in the depression spacesuits has to be custom fit to the person. That's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> you know, otherwise things would chafe. Tilk and Sam built a little differently. Yeah. Tilk and everybody built a little differently. Oh, yeah. Wonder is auxiliary oxygen supply for the future. <laughs> Watch Michael Shanks in a Supernatural episode this morning. I haven't got that far. Tell me. <laughs> Last Supernatural app I saw was the season five Trickster. Pressurizing airlock. So once you're off the ship, you'll experience very little gravity. But the asteroid's surface is mostly iron, and your boots are magnetized, so you shouldn't go spinning off into space. Well, that's very reassuring, there, Carter. Thank you very much. Depressurization complete. Opening outer door. That's good to know. There's lots of reassurances going on in this episode. What you want, you see. By the way, why are they EVAing this way? Why didn't they just ring down? Why are they going out the door? Maybe. Maybe they've actually landed now. The engines gave out and they landed. So they're completely screwed. Go on, Jack. Say it's one small step for a man. <laughs> nice spacesuits. Hmm. They hired them for two days shooting, and that was it. Are they actual? Uh... I don't think, but I believe they're identical replicas to what NASA was using at the time. I see. And say so that shot is uh, mostly practical, except for the actual ground they're walking on. And the ship? The ship's CGI. You said practical? Yeah. Practical is real. I was driving through the well for one day. Of course, we've got... <laughs> They're shooting this at slightly speeded up at 40 frames per second, so it looks like they're slowly walking. Hmm. 
Why have the red glowing thing? I mean, let's face it, what they didn't know was they're actually predicting Xbox failures there. <laughs> yeah, when it glows fully red, you've got to send it back. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of the bombs, red ring of death. It seems to be cycling between red and blue and purple. Is that a deliberate effect, or did they say? They didn't mention it. I imagine the prop designer thought it looked cool. <laughs> That's a good enough reason to do anything. You've got to be fortunate, there's so much flat ground on this asteroid. Mm. Mm. Light bulbs going off. What is it? Well, our approach to the asteroid was a lot faster than it should have been, even on thrusters only. I want to check something. It's fortunate that Sam's thinking like this, because, no, we, di we didn't crash because the engines failed or the thrusters weren't good enough. We crashed because we were being pulled towards the asteroid too fast. Physics doesn't work that way. Mm. We can proceed no further. I'm not quite sure I'd want it rocking that much either. And this will do. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Close enough. A few extra feet aren't going to matter to a bomb that size. No. It's surprisingly light, considering how far within the asteroid they are. And it's rotating across multiple axes. 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 Why did they set it for two hours? Weapon is armed. Because uh, it's probably going to take them an hour and 55 minutes to walk back to the shuttle. <laughs> Can't they kind of bounce? Moonwalk? <laughs> Something's not right. The asteroid's gravitational field is way stronger than we thought. So... Gravity is determined by mass, and mass is determined by size and composition. Yes, we know that. So Even Daniel knows that. The core of the asteroid must be made up of something a lot heavier than nickel and iron. So, what was that? Hmm, what could be heavier than nickel and iron? We're passing through the Leonids way sooner than I expected. Colonel O'Neill, what's your position? We're almost out of the cave. Better stay where you are, sir. We're taking meteor hits. <laughs> Carter, any chance of getting those shields in play here? We're working on it, sir. Stand by. Daniel, try to reroute power from the hyperdrive. Whoever did the initial calculations on the uh, speed of the asteroid got it a bit off by the sounds on it. Yes. Granted, it may be accelerating a bit faster as it nears the Earth. Hull breach, preventing atmosphere. You've really got to pick up technology as you go along working with SG-1, don't you? Mm -hmm. A few years ago, Daniel never be able to do this. Pull <laughs> away. Faster, lads. Faster. <laughs> By all accounts, RDA and Christopher really did not like working in these spacesuits. Yeah. Carter. Any progress on those shields? Stand by, sir. I saw this once on a television programme. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> oh, dear. You would have hoped the hull of the ship would have been a bit stronger than that. Well, it's designed to operate with shields. And now there's two more. Carter, Daniel, this is O'Neill. Please respond. Yes, not good. Hmm. Carter! Come on, lads, what are we looking at? Ah, that's a rock. Don't see any holes. A few rocks. Subsided. Go! Gotta be careful with that visor. Don't do it the wrong way. Ah. Now they're running. Mm hmm. 
Is that them? The suits actually look different in that shot than they do close up. Where do we leave the key? Oh, that's not good. Yeah, we'll leave the suits on for now. Hull breach? If that is indeed the case, Major Carter and Daniel Jackson could not have survived. Open it! Whose idea was to make that two-part door? Well, it's an airlock. It's pretty much got to be a two-part door. Be another way half it's But it's still open. There was a gap, and then the rest of it's still open. Nah. Carter pops up and activates the rings. Ah. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> a puffer just popped his head around the corner. I'm back. <laughs> and I can breathe vacuum. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. I have holes here, here, and here. I got nothing, Teal. The hole has been damaged in several places. If it's actually that heavy, it should act, it should have a small atmosphere of some description. What, the asteroid? Hmm. Unlikely to be oxygen, though. No. Ah, a closed escape pod. What do you consider it, O'Neill? Of course, as we, as we come to find out, the asteroid isn't exactly what it seems. No. Don't show too much close-up of Jack kicking the polystyrene escape pod. Hmm. <laughs> Fortunate they put two hours on the clock into it. They'll have time to repair the cargo ship. That's not going to fix the engines. They're in the escape pods! Together? Oh, one in each. I've identified the breach areas of the hull. We can begin repairs immediately. Well, unfortunately, they ain't going anywhere. Alright. General? Doctor, shouldn't you be off-world by now? I'm leaving with the next group, sir. Your name isn't on the list, sir. Hmm. Yes, she's fortunate That's she's right. got screen time. May I ask why? If that asteroid hits, the only chance for the survival of the human race will rest with the Alpha site. We limited their number because they'll have limited resources. Everyone will have to contribute. Your experience makes you more than qualified, sir. <laughs> she hasn't had screen time in a while, has she? It's been a while, yeah. Must be at least five, six episodes. But my decision is final. Yes, sir. In that respect, do not send politicians. That's always galled me. Whenever you see a film like this, they start loading up with civil servants. Yeah, civil servants. And politicians, I'm thinking, you want farmers, you want blacksmiths you want people who are going to work with their hands 18 hours a day if you're going to build a community well no harm in having a few bureaucrats he said indicating his own 20 odd year service someone's got to keep the computers running ah so they didn't share a body it's too high sir at least it's higher than it should be I need to reconfigure the ship's sensors to determine what the core is made of oh here we go 
I'm sorry, sir. Oh, come on. We came, we saw, we planted the bomb, we had a little fun with a meteor shower. We went home. It's a great story. It'd make a great movie. Isn't it? <laughs> Tilk, not happy. Oh, dear. It's always something. <laughs> this shot works in every film it's ever been used in. I was right. This could be a problem. Indeed. I don't want to hear it. Sir, the asteroid's core is composed almost entirely of Naquita. Of course it is. <laughs> it makes up about 45% of the total mass. Of course it does. Naquita does not occur naturally in the solar system. Ba-ching. That's a valuable asteroid. Yes. Sir, this whole thing must have been a gold setup. To circumvent the protected planets treaty with the Asgard is almost unthinkable. What? The ghoul brought the asteroid here and set it on a collision course to make it look like a natural disaster. I knew the only way we could stop it would be with a nuke. So, what happens when that bomb goes off? Well, the explosion will be enhanced by the Naquita, probably to the force of a small nova. This close to Earth, it would be enough to set the atmosphere on fire and boil the oceans. Okay, this was not in the movie. And if we deactivate the bomb and the asteroid goes past the failsafe point, there's no turning back. Are you absolutely sure about this? Well, I, I can't be a hundred percent. We don't have a lot of choices here. That's what I'm saying. We're down if we do and we're down if we don't. We need another option. The presence of the asteroid itself may be sufficient evidence of a treaty violation. Right. The Asgard can intervene. We have no way to tell them. We do if you get that radio back online. Tilk, suit up. Now, if we only had a radio. Yes. I just trying to the yes, one day. We can listen to Casey Kasem's character. <laughs> Goodbye, solar system. This wasn't in the movie. <laughs> yes. Was that movie out at this time? Yes, it was. Okay, try it now. Stargate Command, this is SG-1. Do you read? Over. We've seen the Jaffa and various slave planets mining Naquita. So the amount they've used in this asteroid is phenomenal. Yeah, they don't care. They are tens of thousands of slaves. I mean, this is Anubis. This is that plan Osiris was on about last week. Yeah. But you've got to admire the... F- a simple asteroid would destroy the Earth. But they've, you know, stacked the deck by putting uh, an explosive compound in it just in case the humans use nukes. Mm-hmm. It's bloody brilliant. Well, he, we know what Anubis... Is Anubis what I think he is at this stage? Well, actually, he probably is. Again, you've got to ask yourself, <laughs> a single rock lying on the nuclear bomb. Mm. Let me guess, right on the control panel. Of course, where else would it lie? And stayed there as well. Didn't bounce off it. Got jammed and lodged there. Oh, yeah, that looked heavy. (laughs) I don't care, that that should have been heavier. Come on, how long then? Four minutes? Oh, good, plenty of time. Hmm. Oops. (laughs) Maybe it's only the countdown clock that's still active. Yeah, fortunate that, isn't it? The bomb is yet to be deactivated. Sure, you remember the passcode, Jack? Did you write it down? Yes. You pink some bit of paper in my pants pocket. Oh, yes. Perhaps the code is incorrect. Yeah. Carter, come in. Go ahead. Confirm the deactivation code for me, will you? And don't astronauts traditionally strip down to their underwear before they get in the suits? Yes, there is an inner suit, but they're actually not wearing them for this, this episode. Oops. Yeah, that's it. Nothing. Is there a 
problem, sir? Well, there was a cave-in. Seems to have damaged the keypad. It's not accepting the code. Other than that, everything's fine. How much time is left, exactly? Under three minutes. Sir, you're gonna have to open up the bomb and deactivate it manually. Oh, they're kind of screwed. Again. <laughs> it's just peachy. The bomb won't go off. Now, this is why the American military budget is so high. These tools must have cost a fortune, and they just put them on a malp with the bomb. Mm. Well, you know, contingency. They've learned before. Yeah, just in case we need disarm it. There should be two screws. Yeah, I got them. They were fortunate, obviously, tools designed with space gloves in mind. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't really like to work an iPad-type device with those gloves. <laughs> Now find the wires leading from the timer to the detonator and cut the red one. It's always the red wire, isn't it? I wonder if when someone is designing a bomb... Oops. They're all yellow. You've watched this episode. I know, Ed, but it's still funny. <laughs> Say again? There are five wires and they're all yellow. Maybe I should cut them all? Um... The thing is, sir, if you interrupt the wrong circuit, it's basically the same as telling the bomb that the timer has reached zero. Yeah, I knew that. I'm sorry, sir, but you're just going to have to cut them randomly. <laughs> Carter's like, well... Yeah, I knew that too. This was covered in bomb disposal. Yes, there's always a red wire. I mean, it's obviously set up for this particular scene. It works. You know, it shouldn't work the way they've done it. You know, five wires, all yellow, wildly placed so you can cut them easily. I say it's fortunate. You can cut four wires, and there's only one that they can't cut. How's it coming, sir? Cut three. Good to go. <laughs> this could be a slight homage to uh, the abyss when uh, they had to cut a wire on a nuke. You know, I'd like to take this opportunity to say that this is a very poorly designed bomb and I think we should say something to somebody when we get back. <laughs> I agree, sir. Yeah, Jack, you've got like seconds. Do you really want to waste them? <laughs> it's a pity, isn't it? Nobody will hear that if he tips the wrong one. Let's go out with the bag. No matter how you look at it, for such a sophisticated device, that's reasonably easy to disarm. <laughs> yeah. Sir? We're still here. <laughs> nice. Twenty seconds to fail safe. Still no word from SG-1. No, I've been talking to him all along, General. I just haven't been telling you. Ten seconds. What they should have had now was a little guest appearance by Kinsey, you know, trying to get into the base so we can get out. I'd have Major Davis shooting. <laughs> Sir, can I shoot Kinsey? We're all going to die anyway, nobody know. Asteroid has passed failsafe. That's it. We're screwed. Let's go. Very well. Hmm. Bye, Walter. Major, Sergeant, take your positions with the last Alpha group. That's an order, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Ah, nice there by the General. Mm. 
This is his command, and he's staying with it. I will go down with this ship. Yeah. Sorry, I'm musical mode today. That was a brief quote from uh, Dido's White Flag. Like you said, they need people who are actually going to make that facility work, and no respect to the general, he ain't one of them. We get communications back yet? Sorry, sir, we tried. The only way would be to pull the components we used to fix the hyperdrive. So we take hours. What then? Well, we have a couple of options. Number one, we give up. We use what's left of power and life support to make it to the nearest unoccupied gate world. Good option. Make it from there. I vote for that one. Number two. Take off and hope that our radio signal can be picked up by the Asgard in time to inform them that this was a ghoul attack disguised as a natural disaster. There isn't enough time for that. I know. Okay, that's a good one as well. I'll vote for that one as is well. There are number three? There's no three. Well, maybe there is. Tilk, you said Nakwada wasn't native to our solar system. <laughs> there is no <laughs> Oh, thank you, Daniel. Make me look like a fool by saying there isn't a number three. Daniel, that's it. What's it? Oh, we don't have a mothership. Yeah, the effect only has to last a few seconds. What? Only has to last a few seconds. What? Someone Trace clue things. in chat, please. We expand the ship's hyperspace field to encompass the entire asteroid. We take it out of normal space long enough to avoid the collision with Earth. <laughs> Jack's getting annoyed. He should be used to it by now. Even Tilk at times joins in with the banter as they solve the problem and Jack just sitting there. Well, it is. You want to ride an asteroid through Earth? Yes. To the outside observer, it would disappear on one side and reappear on the other. The problem is, it would take every ounce of power we've got. The field would have to be expanded far beyond its usual envelope. Well, it, it could cause the engines to explode. <laughs> explode? Even if we survived the engine overload, sir, we wouldn't be able to take off again. We'd have a couple of hours of life support, and that's it. But you think this is the best shot we have at stopping this rock? Yes, sir, I think so. I know it sounds crazy, but it may just work. <laughs> that's a cliche. I mean, that's a trope. Oh, yes. Well, that's the plan, then. Joking <laughs> around. Is there anybody who thinks this is crazy, or is it just me? Any hope, any hope at all, just after she says explode, you could drop in Nathan Finlay saying explode? I don't want to explode. <laughs> just think our listeners would appreciate it. And I know I'm asking you to do things above and beyond the call of your editing. That asteroid is pretty damn close to the atmosphere. We should be getting minor impacts. Its gravitational field should be affecting the planet. Well, Carter, now might be a good time. Almost. It's fortunate that it's not travelling that fast. Now? Now. If I engage too soon, we'll reappear right inside the Earth. <laughs> Stop interrupting her, for Christ's sake. This is delicate work. <laughs> yeah, I know it's coming. Carter, I can see my house. <laughs> Engaging hyperdrive <laughs> now. One thousand and four. This is a great big... My God, they only travelled a few thousand miles. Boom. <laughs> They're not afraid we've exploded. We're there. The navigational computer confirms we have emerged from hyperspace on the other side of the planet. Yes, we're still here. We're saved. Oh my God, we're going to hit the moon. Yep. Plan three. Works every time. <laughs> not a million miles away from it, are they? Well, they couldn't be really, could they? <laughs> but... Mm. Yes, Mr. President. 
Yes, sir. Well, from what NASA and SATCOM are telling me, it looks like the asteroid just disappeared. I don't know, sir. It may have been the Asgard. But it's my opinion SG-1 had something to do with it. Yes, we saved the world again. Promotion. <laughs> yes. He's a two-star general at present, isn't he? So, two hours of life support then what? Duke could just go into Colin and like, wait for them to die and go back and breathe the remaining oxygen. I'm confident. Me too. As am I. Uh, we've saved the planet and we're just sitting there again. We've seen this before. Sensors are picking up a vessel approaching. Oh, like a sonar burst. It appears to be another cargo ship. Gold? We do not know. The ship is taking a position directly above us. I am Jalen of the tow crew. We received your distress call and came as fast as we could. Can we render assistance? <laughs> There's actually one still alive. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not like we don't have everything totally under control here. But... Sure. Render away. You'd think they have more important things to do. Render away. <laughs> Look at Sam. Oh, stop it, Jack. Just say thank you and be done with it. Jalen, played by Kirsten Williamson. She gets five seconds of screen time. Yeah. Seen in Supernatural and Psych. Saved the day she did. Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> Saved the day she did. Ooh. In the commentary, they're on about Final Solution, and they actually said, do they think we could actually pull this off because it was that outlandish? <laughs> and it really, it is. Absolutely bizarre way to do it. And the fact that creating some sort of wormhole of hyperspace gateway so close to the atmosphere on both sides doesn't do any damage to the Earth at all. And creating a wormhole effect inside an aqueda-heavy asteroid yeah. doesn't spark a reaction and blow the damn thing up anyway. Yeah. You can't believe that nobody else on Earth noticed this asteroid so close. There'd be weather systems, hurricanes and... Oh, God. You can buy one person a week ago spotting it with a telescope and getting them to shut up. But something that big within the moon's orbit... It's like the episode of The Simpsons with the comet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can see it. I'm not going to turn around. It's right there. Right then. That was failsafe. Not a bad little standalone episode. No. A few loose ends that glossed over. A few glaring science <laughs> things that they didn't so much gloss over as apply tar to. Well, I'd say you just got to go along with it. The fact that they had to rewire extra battery packs into the suits because the batteries didn't last long enough for shooting says it all, doesn't it, really? I suppose spacewalks don't normally last 18-hour workdays, so... <laughs> not a bad episode. Indeed not. Right. So I have to click next, because that was actually the last episode on that disc. Ah, right. So I don't have blurb handy, so I have to go through the transcript. Next week's episode is entitled The Warrior. Kitano, former first prime of the late Imhotep, is now leader of a powerful Jafar rebellion. SG-1 visits Katana's stronghold with the aim of securing alliance, but O'Neill and team soon learn that the strategic partnership may well come at a hefty price. Does that mean Braytag? Yep. Woohoo! One, two, three, four. Fifth person to talk. <laughs> right. He's in the teaser. Braytag, good. Yes. Braytag, good. Especially with garlic salt. Usually he is a little stringy. On the next Stargate SG-1, Katana offers an army. An army that needs our help. Hey! You just not no fear! Join us in the struggle against our oppressors! He's sending him on a suicide mission. If you do this, I don't think you're coming back. Richard Dean Anderson stars. We have the suit! Incoming, sir! On the next Stargate SG-1. Okay, well, that was Failsafe. 
interesting kind of fun issue. So a lot of good O'Neill moments and not really, in fairness, a team episode. You have argues that, you know, there's character episodes and Daniel episodes and Teal episodes, but this episode didn't really focus on any one team member. Yeah, it was very much a collaborative effort, all four of them doing a little bit. Which is not something we see that often. You usually get the focus on one character. And we just need to drift across my mind like a bad memory. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always work, does it? <laughs> Despite the numerous comments you've said about Daniel's past, next week's looks like the Oak episode. Oh yeah, very much Jaffa-centric. You see, the way you say Jaffa, it sounds like an orange. They pronounce it by elongating the A. I, I have images of lots of OJ now. <laughs> very much a Jaffa-centric episode. But leave that in, it's fun. <laughs> or at least use that as an outtake. Like we said, you can pronounce it how you want. If they pronounce it different ways on the show, then so can we. Fair enough. Gould. Yeah. Come try ya! Okay, we have nothing on the email. We have further on the votes, but I think we'll save that for the raffle. Oh, yeah. Hi, folks, and thanks for listening, downloading, etc., etc., etc. If you need to email us, the email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. If you need to find the podcast, somebody gave it to you, you got it through an online subscription. We're on iTunes as Gatecast. We're also listed on Podcast Alley and Podcast Pickle. If you want to leave feedback, you can record an MP3 and email it to gatecastpodcast.gmail.com. You can also leave us feedback on the website, that's gatecast.phasecast.com. There is the Facebook group, which is The Gatecast. And finally, you can also tweet us. We're the Gatecast on Twitter as well. Thank you very much for listening and hope to hear from you next week. Okay, folks, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading, iTuning, or you know, beam me up from your local Alkesh, whatever way you actually hear the episodes. As always, we appreciate any feedback. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. See you next week. You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike and Scott. Visit us at gatecast.facecast.com.